Charmed. And welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with me, Serena Shahidi. Hello. How is everybody? I'm trying to listen. There was like a sound coming from outside of my window. It sounded like bagpipes. It was very... Like bagpipes. I don't know why. Maybe it's um, an Irish holiday or something. Is that Irish? Scottish. Scottish, right? Whatever. Welcome back. How is everybody? I did take two weeks off. Oh my god, it's back. Do you hear that? Maybe not. I did take two weeks off. My apologies. I have not been on here podcasting. Um, I've been getting used to some life changes. Some changes within my life. And maybe even to me as a person and as a girl. I talked about, last episode, I talked about being in my, I guess you could call it perhaps my unemployment era. It's true. For a while, I was freelancing and I had mostly like a few main gigs that were regular that I had had for a while. And everything just sort of dried up at once. And this was like what, a month ago when all the crazy layoffs were happening. So everybody was kind of in their unemployment era at once. But I talked about it and I said, you know what? I think I'm I'm ready to get an actual job. Not like an office job. Still working on that degree. One day, unless I drop out again and knowing me, it's entirely possible. Um, not you know, an office job, but I was like, okay, I could either apply for internships, try to get like a marketing internship or something like that. Because marketing, uh, that's like what I'm studying right now. That's just kind of what you do if you're like, well, I don't really want to work in an office and go to school, but I should probably set myself up so that that's at least an option. Like that's what marketing is for. I think. I mean, maybe it's somebody somebody out there, maybe it's their passion. Shout out to them. And by the way, if it's the future and I'm trying to get a marketing job and a recruiter is listening to this, marketing is absolutely my passion. And it always has been. And it always will be. Anyway, I was like, I could either try to get an internship and attempt to advance my career in some way, or I could do what my gut is telling me to do, which is just get like a service job and try to work on creative stuff and whatever else I want to do on the side. And guess who did get a job? I work at a restaurant now at a very nice kind of glamorous restaurant as a hostess. I'm a hostess, which is one of the most glamorous jobs. It's kind of the the flight attendant of the ground. That's what being a hostess is. Minus, you know, knowing all that first aid information and being able to perhaps save lives in the event of an emergency. None of that for me, no thank you. What's that Gwyneth Paltrow movie? It's not important. Anyway, so I've been working for the past two weeks. I needed some time to get adjusted. I was also, like, finishing up the semester. I needed a little beat to get myself together, but it's been interesting. It's been 
fun. It's an adjustment, though, because I'm going from, like, basically doing what I want all day, every day, for better or for worse. Because on one hand, it was like, well, I can do whatever. I can, like, get day drunk. I can stay in all day, which is what I, you know, those were basically my two options. And having that freedom was nice. But also, I think doing nothing all the time made me really, really depressed for like two years straight. So, or at least it contributed to it. I can't blame my own issues that I've had on that, but I think it certainly contributed to it. And I went from that to now working like almost full time. Can you believe it? Can you even believe that it's it's legal? It's not against labor laws to work for 35 hours a week. I didn't even know that was possible. But guess who's doing it? Guess who is getting up every day and heading to work in the wee hours of the morning at 2 p.m.? Little old me. They said I couldn't. And they were wrong. Yeah, I talked about, um, you know, this new era of my life. Last episode, it's kind of bittersweet. And I got a few messages from my listeners. Thank you. Thanks, listeners, for listening and messaging and really all the things that you do. A few people were like, well, why don't you just do, like, influencer stuff full time? And, you know, I don't know. I've been thinking about that. Not thinking about that in a way that I'm really considering that, but just thinking about, I don't know, at a certain time, like that was definitely an option for me. And it looked like that was where my life was going. And I just like couldn't, I couldn't do it. Maybe I'll talk more about this in the future. Because right now it's like my life feels so up in the air that it feels a little bit weird to talk about it. But I don't, I just... I don't think I can ever do do the internet full time because I did, you know, I got brand deals and I got gigs and I got a manager even, which I'm very grateful for. But to do that full time, it requires so much of like putting stuff out there that you are not proud of at all. Like, you have to post all the time. You have to do ads. You have to work with people and things that might not have the same vision, might not have the same sense of humor and all that that you may have. And it was just a lot to feel like I was putting stuff out there that I'm like, this is stupid. I don't like this. I don't think it's funny. If it came up in my feed, I would not enjoy it. And I'm not saying that I'm like going Amish. Like I'm still going to be on the internet and I still want to make stuff on the internet. But there's a big difference between that and doing it full time. Because then you have to like post even when you don't have ideas. You have to create like what companies want you to create and you end up with just a bunch of stuff that is public on the internet for 
thousands of people to see that you just don't like. I don't know. It's so stressful and it's so unfulfilling. And I do want to make stuff, but I don't want that to be my whole life and my whole career path. I want to do something else. I don't know what it is. We're figuring it out. We're on this journey together, baby. I also, I don't really set goals. That's never been the kind of gal I am. Or at least not like big, lofty, five-year plan kind of goals. That's a little much for me. And I don't really like to set those sorts of goals because I feel like as you get older and as you get more experience and meet new people and as the market of options expand to you in various ways, I want to be open for whatever may present itself, even if it's something that I don't even know exists right now. Who knows? The other day I was like, considering, by the way, I haven't even finished getting my bachelor's, but I was considering going to grad school after that because I randomly Googled like a friend of a friend and I looked at her LinkedIn and I saw that she went to a school good for her. And she got her master's in something that I was like, oh, that's actually interesting. I didn't know you could get your master's in that. It was media something. I forget what it was. See, I don't even know. But I was like, okay, noted. That's an option for me. If I wanted to go to grad school, do some studying. I mean, I'm not really somebody who knows what all the possibilities out there are. I am somebody who when she asks people what they do, uh, very often responds to the response with, what the hell is that? You're making that up. I'm accusing you of having made that up. That's my knowledge of the job market. So I'm going to continue to learn and see where, see where all this takes me. And we can't predict the future. All we can do is have some fun along the way. I just made that up. Isn't that so true, actually? I might cross-stitch that. I might embroider that onto something. Anyway, yeah, so I have a job now as a hostess. Hostess at a fancy restaurant. Very classy. Somewhere I'm offended nobody has ever taken me on a date to. But honestly, working? Kind of fun. I have to say, unpopular opinion, working can be a little fun, at least compared to what I was doing before, which was like sitting around and thinking, huh, maybe I should be working and then kind of sitting around some more and being like, oh, my God, when is it going to be nighttime so it can go out, which is still a little bit of a hobby of mine, but... I have to say, if you're maybe at a crossroads in your life, you don't know what to do, but you just need a job for now, work as a hostess at a fancy restaurant. It ain't bad. It doesn't pay well. I will give you that. But it's kind of fun. You get to do so much people watching. And I just, I look at those tables and I pretend like I'm looking at them to see like, oh, are we... Are we on entree yet? Is that table going to be open soon? Because we have a party of three coming in at eight o'clock. But what I'm actually doing is just 
staring at them and wildly speculating on their lives. It's so much fun, especially, oh, when a date comes in? Time of my life. Time of my life, because that's what I do anyway when I'm at a restaurant. Working there or not, I am spotting that person who is on a date, and I am... Honey, I'm cutting two eye holes in a newspaper, and I am checking them out like you wouldn't believe. Oh my god, sometimes a single person comes in for uh, like a party of two, and they're like, yeah, I'm just waiting for my date, and I just get to think, what's their date gonna, what's that situation gonna be? Is that gonna be a man or a woman? What are they gonna look like? Are they gonna be short or tall? What kind of footwear are they going to have on? Maybe it'll make them taller. Maybe they're 5'6". We can get them to a cool 5'9". I mean, all that to say, I'm a hostess now. And it's a great job if you like to be in everybody's business. Um, what else is new? It's getting a little warmer. The past, the past three weeks, since that's the last time we chatted, it's now going for walk season. And I'm so excited for this. This is, I mean, my favorite season is when you can go out and then walk home at night. Oh my God. Beautiful. Gorgeous. But it's been, it's been lovely here in New York City. I've been trying to go on like morning walks through Central Park, which is always gorgeous. And it inspires me too, because when I, when I go on a walk and it's like Saturday morning and it feels like the entirety of the world is there in Central Park and children are running around and people are throwing frisbees and going on runs and and reading books on the grass. I'm like, oh my God, good for these people. I'm inspired now. I'm going to get out into the world during daylight hours, maybe skip around, maybe like hold a latte, talk with a friend, all those sorts of activities. I have been loving like going on a walk and FaceTiming is really something... It's like you're hanging out with a friend, but also you're on the walk technically alone. So you can set the pace. You can take whichever way you would like. You can walk around the Jackie Kennedy Reservoir. Love it. Love it. And it makes me feel... How does it make me feel? I, I feel like it makes me feel kind of like popular in a way. Because it shows the people, the other park goers, that like... Yeah, I have stuff to talk about with my friends, even when we aren't together. Just because we aren't together doesn't mean we don't have stuff to talk about. We gotta catch up with each other because our lives are this eventful and we are this interesting and have so many exciting and witty and clever things to say to each other. Just all day, really. When I'm FaceTiming through Central Park, you better believe everybody is looking at me and saying, look at that, look at that girl right there. Look at that beautiful young woman walking at a very fast pace. She is on the telephone with her friend, and her friend is not there in person with her. You know what that shows is that they have stuff to talk about, 
even when they're not hanging out. Because if it was just me and my friend, we were hanging out in person, that could just be obligation. Sometimes a friend asks you, like, oh, let's get coffee, let's get lunch. And by the way, whenever someone asks me to get coffee or lunch with them, I'm like, I feel like this might not be a true friend. You know what I mean? Getting coffee or lunch is for when you're just like, oh, I haven't seen that person in a while. I guess we should catch up, right? Like, I don't want the friendship to die. I don't want to have to say that I'm not friends with her because I haven't seen her in a year. Let's just, let's just get a coffee. And then I can say I just saw her. And I'm not saying that the alternative should be just like, let's, let's get wasted together. Let's party, club, another club, bus, city bike, another club, Vespa, electric scooter, razor scooter, but it's specifically coffee and lunch. Those just feel very corporate as opposed to let's hang out, let's see a movie, let's go to a museum, let's do a specific activity, not like let's have a LinkedIn coffee chat. Let's have a corporate power lunch. They both feel very corporate. And they also feel like, I assume any invitation for coffee or lunch is also, like, we're not going to follow through. I feel like I very rarely, unless it's with very close friends, I very rarely have um, received or given an invitation to go to lunch, and then it's actually happened. I might be lying. I don't know. I love to go for walk. I love walk. Going on walks is very human. You know what I mean? It's active. You're moving throughout the world, but it's not, you're not doing CrossFit, right? You're not doing some sort of exercise plan. This isn't like, oh, let's go get abs and fight demons or whatever it is men say to each other before they go to the gym. Walking is just... It's healthy in a, in an everyday kind of way. Not an overly health-conscious, image-obsessed kind of way. It's just so human. So very human being of us. How do we feel, by the way, of, about the use of human as an adjective? Because that's one of those things where I'm like, I like it when I do it. I don't know about all these other people, but I do, in fact, like it when I do it. Some things just are human. Going for a walk, that's human. Extending your walk because you like to see on that pedometer app that you've hit 10,000 steps, that's also kind of human. Making mistakes, that's, that's human. It is so human to make mistakes. That kind of sounds like, you know, when you're in elementary school and they have those I haven't thought about this in a while. They have those posters on the wall in elementary school that's like, every journey starts with one step. And there's a picture of a hiking trail. I might need one of those posters now. I didn't really need them in elementary school. What journey was I on? Filling out a packet? Come on. Remember packets, too? I should Google this and see what some of these posters said. Let's see, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, inspirational posters for elementary school. 
Okay. Wait, these have gotten... Okay, these are like being made in Canva now. These are really something. We did not have this kind of design back in the day. Are you kidding me? Google inspirational posters for elementary school and tell me that yours looked like this. Okay, what do these say? Because maybe we need this advice. In our classroom, we arrive on time, respect each other, work hard and have fun, be a caring friend, and try our best. That's not inspirational. Those are rules. Throw kindness around like confetti. Oh, and there's confetti in it. That's cute. Today is a great day to learn something new. You know what? It sure is. I get excited to learn something new and try something challenging every day. Oh, these are like affirmations. Okay. When I work through my mistakes, I can feel my brain growing bigger and stronger. Not true. You never fail until you stop trying. Be the reason someone smiles today. You are a rainbow of possibilities. Is this... Is this those gays? Just those gays they're teaching it to our kids? Oh my god, did you see those people? Isn't Target like taking out their pride stuff because these cuckoo crazy people who think gay people are groomers? Hold on, let me Google this. Target pride. Target removes Pride Month products after backlash against LGBTQ support. Jesus Christ. Let's see. There was a boycott, according to Vox.com. Target experienced threats impacting our team members' sense of safety and well-being while at work. Hmm. That is a tough situation, though. Because on one hand, they're, like, you know, backtracking from the support to the community, but also... What happens when some QAnon freak starts assaulting a cashier because they're, you know, in a store with a sweatshirt with a rainbow on it? Ugh, what a terrible situation all around. These people are nuts. These people are crazy. It's ridiculous that, I mean, A, we live in a world where corporations are like, Yay, gay people! And everybody's expected to clap and cheer and do cartwheels like that's changing the world. But then also, that little thing, that little target putting out a rainbow pencil into their dollar section, like some freak is going to have a meltdown about that. Anyway, back to talking about stupid stuff. Let's talk a little bit about pop culture. Okay, we have to, I mean, Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, hello. If you have not heard, which this has been a story for a bit now, I mean, like a week or two, but whatever. If you're living under a rock, the famous celebrity singer, Taylor Swift, shake it off. Sorry, I shouldn't sing that. I'm going to get copyrighted for singing perfectly on pitch. She, she's broken up, as I've talked about before on here, with her boyfriend of several years, Joe Alwyn, a cute little blonde Brit. And she is now dating Maddie Healy. 
from the 1975 who is a little bit sleazy, a little bit greasy, kind of seems like he would have a lot of empty whiskey bottles on his floor, but Taylor Swift is dating him, and it's very controversial. By the way, I tried to... Okay, so it's controversial because he has said, like, a lot of offensive stuff. I tried to learn about it. I tried to learn about Maddie Healy's problematic past. To be honest, I didn't really understand what was going on. The main thing was he recently went on the uh, podcast I won't even name. Just mostly just because I don't need to. You know, it's one of the it's one of the boy kind of comedy podcasts. You get the idea. You know the scene. I don't need to elaborate. He went on that podcast and I guess he made some comments about Ice Spice, the rapper, and I listened to the clip. I have no idea what these people were talking about. I have no clue. I mean, it kind of sounded, it sounded offensive. Yeah. I don't know what these men were on about. It's just, it's just kind of a language I don't speak. You know what I mean? When someone's like, oh my God, can you believe this person said this? And you're like, I mean, it, it kind of sounds bad, but what does that mean? But I get it. I get the vibe. We all know guys like this edgy for the sake of being edgy. And that's, I was thinking about this and I'm like, you know what? The, the downside to like making, or at least appear, you know, appearing to be making some sort of progress as a society, allegedly, is that now the contrarian thing to do is to be regressive. That's the edgy thing. And I like a little bit of edge. I like a dash of Oh, I know if I say this, there's somebody out there who's going to get mad. But just to just to be edgy for the sake of being edgy, whatever kind of like, oh, I know misogyny makes people mad, so I'm going to say I hate women, because that's fun. Honey, women hate you, and we wish you would do a good bit. It's tired. Also, it's not even contrarian, because for most of these types, it's like what their family believes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not edgy to say the same opinion that your dad holds. But this pair, Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, this is something we didn't expect. Kind of a a good girl, bad boy dynamic. The classic dynamic, if you've seen a movie before. I don't know, is Taylor Swift, like, is Taylor Swift good? I guess not really, you know. She's, like, taking a private jet from New York to Newark or whatever. I kind of feel the same. And I I love Taylor Swift's music. Famously, I love Taylor Swift's music. Midnight's was good. I'm more of a, a folklore evermore. I like the songs that are kind of about wanting to kill yourself. I think that's fun, but my relationship with Taylor Swift, I kind of think of her as like, you know, that cool teacher you had when you were in school where you're kind of friends, like 
You can eat lunch in her room if you want, but you are always cognizant of the fact that, like, this is... This is the woman who took five points off of my essay because my bibliography was not in alphabetical order. That's sort of how I feel about her. And I'm not saying I feel that way about teachers as an adult. As an adult, you gotta love teachers. Of course, so grateful for teachers. But as a kid, when you're like in in middle school, in high school, in elementary school, you kind of have to be a little suspicious of teachers. Because then they're kind of the man in your life. Like, capital, the man. They're big brother. They're watching you. They have a lot of power over you. You have to, you have to question that. You have to question authority. Your parents, too. You have to question their authority. But then you become an adult and you're like, oh, my God, they were doing their best. Uh-oh. My bad. And those teachers were not getting paid enough. Lord knows. So Taylor Swift, yeah, she went from the seemingly pretty wholesome Joe Alwyn to this this little sleazy fella, this little sleazy Brit, Maddie Healy. They're both Brits, actually. Wait, what if she dated Ricky Gervais next? What if that happened? It's entirely possible. That's the track she's on. She likes these British boys. Or I guess... Ricky Gervais is kind of less, less of a boy, more of an older fella. And the guys she dates, they're getting a little edgier. They're starting to say more, more concerning things on various podcasts. So, hello. Who else? Ricky Gervais. He is next up. I'm not recommending it. Taylor, honey, if you're listening, I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just saying, you might. So, Joe Alwyn to, to Maddie Healy. Seems like a bit of an overcorrection. Isn't that what we're thinking? Joe Alwyn seemed kind of wholesome, maybe even, maybe even a little boring. And if you're listening, you know how I feel about boring guys. Love them. I don't need a bad boy. I, I don't need a bad boy for nothing. I need a man with a 401k and a morning routine. Someone who likes to play chess. That kind of thing. And I feel like there's a lesson that we can learn from this. Because it does seem to be a bit of an overcorrection in the, in the dating life of famous celebrity Taylor Swift. Here's something I've learned in my, my many, many 23 years. Go for, go for the nice... Maybe a little bit boring guy that, like, your mother would approve of. Because you can't make a bad guy good, but you can make a good guy worse. And I certainly have. And I never regretted it. Always had fun. Let's talk about Martha Stewart on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I feel like this is all kind of old news, but whatever, we're catching up. We're catching up. We're gabbing. Martha Stewart, love her, graced the cover of Sports Illustrated, let me Google this, and looked absolutely gorgeous. Okay. How old is she right now? She looks amazing. Oh my god, 
81 years old. Isn't that great? Less than a decade, Martha Stewart is going to be in her 90s. But she became the oldest cover model in their history. Looking stunning with beautiful blonde hair, an arched brow. She almost kind of looks like, she kind of looks like Marilyn. Like with her hair and her eyebrows, um, a sexy white one-piece bathing suit and a bit of a glossy lip. So congratulations to her. I also, by the way, just have to say, um, there's a whole meme online of people posting pictures of like women who everyone in their right mind acknowledges are beautiful with the caption like, hear me out. Come on. I mean, unpopular opinion. And when this cover came out, I saw so many people. I was on Twitter.com and I saw, and by so many, I mean like two people be like, hear me out. Listen, here's my thing. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're on death's door. If somebody's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, there is no need to say, hear me out. You've been heard. You've been heard by a major publication. They see it too. Martha Stewart is sexy and gorgeous and 81. Who is out here denying that? I would like to meet them. I'd like to have a conversation with them. This is ridiculous. I'm glad we can recognize, though, that, you know, there isn't an age limit to being sexy. Even though, I know, of course, at that age, like, it takes so much to be considered traditionally sexy. Like, the average 81-year-old does not look like Martha Stewart, and that's fine. But people at all sorts of ages are looking all sorts of ways. We put so much emphasis on the number, which is ridiculous. You can look many different ways at 20, 40, 80, whatever age. How are your genetics, you know? Hot parents? Maybe. Do you have money? Are you working out? And the most important thing, who's looking at you? That's, let's discuss that. Because people want to talk about, oh, this makes somebody attractive. Oh, they're hot because of this. Here's what makes somebody hot or not. Who's looking at them? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Or in the eyes, if you have two eyes. Personally, I've said before, when I'm older, I think I just want to kind of opt out of sexy. I don't even want to be considered for the role. I'm not applying. Not that I don't want to look good, but I don't want to be 70, 80, worrying about if some man thinks I look good. Because at that age, if you're no longer considered conventionally attractive, you could kind of do whatever you want with your appearance. And it's not going to affect your life all too much. I mean, when you're young and conventionally attractive, if you do all sorts of things to to yourself and you, maybe you're one of those people who like puts those rings in your face, you know what I mean? Not the, not just piercings, but when like genuinely like rings you put on your finger, like they put those in their face, that's going to affect your life a lot. You're going to lose that pretty privilege, as they call it. But If you're older, if people have stopped staring at you for a while, 
You're free, baby. You could wear a carpet as a dress. Really experiment with things. Have so much fun. And by the way, every older woman I've ever talked to about this is like, oh, I like not getting male attention anymore. I don't like one bit that men are like, oh my god, oh, this this woman is going to be so angry and bitter when she's older and not getting attention from men anymore. I've really never heard that be the case. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I've had older women tell me like, oh, now I really appreciate the rare instance in which somebody says I'm attractive. But I've never heard them say like, oh my god, I don't get hit on anymore. Net negative to my life. Guess my life is over. They're all like, yeah, I'm free. I'm done with all that. Sounds great. By the way, oh my god, I've been thinking a lot about aging just because I've been seeing I've been seeing so much online about like women aging and I I'm going to go on a rant about it next episode cuz I have a lot to say on the topic. But let's talk about Ozempic, okay? Let's talk about Ozempic. This has been we're really getting into the news today. Um this has been a hot topic of conversation. I mean, Ozempic has been for a while, but the newest thing is it may have an effect on addiction and compulsive behaviors. Let's discuss it. And by the way, I've thought about talking about Ozempic on the podcast before, but I I don't know. I just didn't know what to say about it. And what I'm about to say is going to sound annoying, at least to me, but I didn't know what to say about it because like, I have never struggled with my weight or really faced that kind of pressure. And I'm not saying that to be like, I'm checking my privilege and I am, I am letting those other voices talk because Lord knows this voice loves to talk, but I'm literally just saying that and being like, I, I don't know what to say. Cause I don't, I don't know what that's like to struggle with that. And for a while I was like, oh, pressure about your weight is like any other kind of pressure with your appearance where people might comment on it or might make you conscious of it, but you just have to accept yourself for the way you are. But I've had friends tell me like, oh, I have issues with my weight and I literally think about my weight and my body every moment of every day. And that is crazy to me. I can't imagine that. Once again, not to be like, I'm listening, I'm learning, but like, literally just I can't imagine that. So, I don't know. I do find the whole weight loss aspect of Ozempic culture to be concerning, but I don't know what that pressure is like. And also, I put all sorts of things into my body. I got Botox at 20. Whatever. Um... This is the newest thing about Ozempic is what it does for like the the reward whatever in your brain. I copied and pasted a quote. Someone, um, I guess their name is Levi. I didn't copy and paste who that was. So God bless them. So the GLP-1 receptor 
de- decrease the reward the brain feels from addictive behaviors like eating, drinking, smoking, shopping, etc. Oh my god, all the fun stuff. So now people are looking at Ozempic and being like, "Oh my god, can this can this be good for addiction and compulsive behaviors if somebody keeps keeps on shopping and smoking and drinking? First of all, if you keep shopping and smoking and drinking, hang out with me." Um, but yeah, if they have those compulsive behaviors, then maybe they can take Ozempic and get better. And I was thinking about this because some people are like, oh, this is a breakthrough. This is the end of all of our problems. Like this is going to have such a positive impact on everybody. And then some people are like, wow, these are eating, drinking, smoking, shopping. These are things that can be bad. They're also just things that people enjoy. And to inject a drug so that you stop having fun (laughs) with like a lot of the pleasures of life, whether they're damaging or not, come on. That's, I don't know, it says something weird about our values. And I think it certainly does. I mean, I've gone on this a million times where I'm like, there is something concerning happening with the way we think about life now where we're just supposed to stop enjoying a bunch of fun things because we could be doing something that's more productive and good for our well-being and will take us further in whatever kind of therapy program we're all in right now. That's what we're all trying to do and I think it's a sad way to live. It really is. Once again, by the way, I will cite the essay in praise of messy lives, which talks about like the cultural phenomenon of mad men, which was really big at the time, and all about affairs and three martini lunches and all that versus the cultural values of wellness and health and all that boring shit. And how, yes, we should value our health and living well. We should also just value living as well. Here's my thing about this. Here's my take on Ozempic allegedly curing addiction. The pleasure is not the problem. You know what I mean? Like if someone's, if someone's a compulsive eater, they're a binge eater. And every time they get stressed, maybe something stressful happens at work or their piece of shit boyfriend is going on, whatever, going on, going on a podcast and saying things about Ice Spice, um, or there's something bad in the news, maybe Taylor Swift is dating Ricky Gervais, whatever it is, every time they just have to have like a binge eating session, I would say the problem with that is not that they're enjoying the food, you know? I don't think making things less rewarding is going to fix anybody's life. Because yes, like compulsive behavior is bad. I'm not going to, as as me as it would be and as on brand as it would be, I'm not going to sit here and be like, gamble, have a blast. <sighs> Although I should, I should say that. Compulsive behavior is bad. But let's get to the root Why do so many people have compulsive behaviors? Could there be that something is wrong with America? 
that can't be true. But I feel like when we focus on this type of thing and, oh, you just need to, you just need to stop smoking. You just need to stop procrastinating. You just need to stop skipping the gym, whatever it is that we want people to stop because there's always goddamn something. It's like, um, it's like we're playing that, what's that game? It's like an arcade game. You have like a bat and you like, what is it called? Like hit the beaver? No. What are the things that come out of the ground? Hold on. Um, animals that come out of the ground. <laughs> um, oh, moles, whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. I think we're playing whack-a-mole with all of our bad habits. Because if you stop all of your online shopping, it's going to be something else. I mean, granted, the perk of that is like, at least now you're not compounding your problems by being like, okay, my life already sucks. Now I'm living in confessions of a shopaholic when she works at that personal finance magazine and she's in however much credit card debt. That was funny. Great movie. Love that movie. I think personally, I can afford to save at least a few of my bad habits. Maybe there's a couple that I wouldn't mind a, a shot of Ozempic for, but for the most part, I'm having fun. What I'm curious to see, however, is not just like, can Ozempic work for addiction and, and compulsive behaviors, but will it actually make people happier? If someone's life is the same, except they get less enjoyment out of drinking, is their life actually going to get better? Or are they going to be like, well, the rest of my life is still the same, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up hard drugs. Or I'm going to be one of those people who uh, takes 40 Benadryl and starts seeing shadow people. Anyway, last couple things. Let me answer one of your questions that I was asked on Instagram, by the way, at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod, if there's anything you want me to talk about on the podcast or any kind of question, really whatever you'd like to share, a story, a song, a poem, I don't know, you can message me there. Um, but this person asked, this is a great question, what age do you think is the right age to get married? Okay. This is a, this is a hot topic right now, I feel like. I've seen a lot of recent conversations about this online, mostly because, I mean, the reason I've been seeing god-awful things online is because of the, the Twitter for you page. Honey, Elon, if you're listening, get rid of that right now. Or at least don't make it like the default page for when you open Twitter. Because I just scroll through that and then I just consider doing something really bad to myself. Here's what I, here's what I get on Twitter for you page. It's like a third of it is, is stuff that I actually enjoy. It's people I follow. It's maybe people I don't follow, but who I have a lot of people in common with. Funny tweets, interesting stuff, right? The other, the other two thirds is a mix between 
first of all, we won't get into this, but a little something called eating disorder Twitter, which is a side of Twitter where people basically just post about their eating disorders and like encourage other people to to continue having them. And by the way, these people are like 14. Like I click on the profiles to be like, what is going on here? These people are children. Um, and it's horrifying that that's even allowed on that website, let alone being recommended to people. I don't know why it's on my timeline. Ugh. And then the last third are like, for some reason, I guess kind of like tech bro accounts or not even tech, like finance or just the type of person, a 30 something year old guy who makes threads about how he got where he is. And, and they also love to talk about like, no one's settling down. You got to get married. These women got to get married, by the way. Oh my God. This is, I'll make this a, a whole rant next week. Because this is related to the women aging thing that I want to talk about. By the way, like putting anyone putting pressure on somebody to get married is never good. It blows my mind that parents will like tell their kids, oh, you got to get married. When are you getting married? When are you getting married? Honey, never. Because now you're giving that person all sorts of issues and either they never want to get married out of spite or they're desperate to get married, and now, ew, who wants to marry that person? Who wants that? It's repulsive to go out with somebody and they're just scanning you for marriage material. Not that that's a huge problem for me, because when they scan me for marriage material, honey, error, system crashing. Like, as it should, I am not ready to be wife material. I don't even have a savings account. Come on now. Um... When is the right age to get married? Here's the thing. Love, dating and love and marriage, they always, your decision making there, I feel like it always has to be a mix between stuff like logic, good decision making, thinking, thinking real thoughts, and on the other side, emotions, um gut feelings, chemistry, serendipity. It's got to be a mix. And I think a lot of people lean a little too far to one side where they're either like, I'm going to, I'm going to get real serious with this person because we vibe. Like there's just a vibe there. Or they're like, oh, I can't, I can't marry that person. They went to the wrong school. There's got to be somewhere in between. And there's got to be somewhere in between when it comes to when you're getting married. Because you shouldn't be silly and, like, get married way too soon, way too young. And don't be silly and, and wait too long if it's something that you know you're sure about. Although it's probably better to wait too long, let's be honest. But wait for somebody who's worth marrying as well. Because the people I have seen people settle down with, especially, I'm sorry, the men who I've seen women settle down with, just because they're like, well, this is the age I want to be married, and this is the guy who's sitting in front of me right now at this age. These men 
I shudder at the thought. My, if I were to put a number to it, I don't have a definite number, but I think, I think we should all be waiting until we're out of our 20s to get married. I really do think so. I certainly consider getting married in my 20s, but that's like, I just want, you know, weekend in Vegas, hardly remember the wedding, whatever, we get it annulled the next day, and then I'm just going to tell everybody that I'm a divorcee, because that's chic, obviously. But to get married, I mean, for life, because you don't always have to get married for life, you know what I mean? People always talk about marriage. That's the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Mm, there's a bit of a coin flip there. That's a person you're fairly likely to spend the rest of your life with. Or, you know, to not. And that's fine, too. But I just think it's safer not to get married in your 20s. And I know, oh my god, the people who, like, got married at 22 love to be like, no. Don't wait. Do it as soon as possible. Let me tell you, if you're one of those people listening, that's like when celebrities tell regular people to follow their dreams. You can't make a gamble. You can't go play a poker game and win and then just be like, well, everybody else should be playing poker. This is how easy it is to make money. Just play poker. What about those other people who were at the table, who lost? What about them? Of course you think it's a good idea to marry young. It worked out for you. That's the exception, not the rule. That's like if I were to tell everybody, hey, cut your hair in a bob. Just because it worked out for me. I actually think I want to... Oh my god, there's so many changes in my life right now, but I think I might want to grow out my bob. Ugh... It's tough to admit that out loud. It's tough to say that. I haven't really... God, I haven't really heard myself say that. But I think... I think I might want to try. I was looking at pictures of me with long hair and I was like, okay, love. And also people are always like, oh, bobs are so much easier to style. Like you just... You wash it and there you go. But also bobs are so much harder to... To really get them to fall the way you want them to. Making long hair look good, it's all about hard work, determination, and believing in yourself. Making short hair look good, I mean, what's the weather like? What position was your hair drying in? Is Mercury in retrograde? Is God mad at you? Like, what's your karma looking like? That's what styling a bob is like. If you have a special event you have to look good for and you have a bob, oh, it better behave. Anyway, my media of the week, of the past few weeks, um, I feel like I read a book, but I forgot what it was. Maybe I didn't. Whatever. Um, here's the main media that I've been consuming. I've been watching so much Desperate Housewives. So much Desperate Housewives. I'm on the last season, season eight. I took kind of a break from it. I've had like three major Desperate Housewives phases where I like watch it nonstop and then I stop for months because I just need to collect myself sometimes. I just need to take a mental health break. 
But I'm back, and I it looks like I'm going to finish the show on this run. And obviously, I will report back and talk about it once again once I'm done. But, oh my god, it really is one of the best shows of all time. It really is. If you haven't seen Desperate Housewives, the show is, uh, it takes place on Wisteria Lane, a little fictional suburban neighborhood, and there's like four main housewives, five in season seven and eight. Shout out to Vanessa Williams, who I love. Love her character. Um, but it is kind of a soap opera meets a dark comedy. It's like a self-aware soap opera, and it's so funny. My favorite characters, my two favorite housewives are Brie and Gabby. Brie is the, um, the redhead, gorgeous, beautiful skin and beautiful hair, who is kind of, she's like a Republican, but in a way that kind of slays. You know, in a way that you don't really see in real life, but you see on TV, like Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock, a Republican in a way that's kind of fun. She's very that. She's always like cooking and being scandalized by things. She's so fun. And then Gabby, who is the youngest housewife, kind of a trophy wife, also stunning, obviously played by Eva Longoria. And she was a model, became a housewife, um, very selfish, not a good wife, always scheming and plotting and manipulating everybody. And she is also so funny. Oh my God, I was watching an episode last night where she's talking to somebody and in the other room, her daughter is like, my sister hit me. And she just goes, hit her back. Love Gabby. Who else? Well, everybody who watches it, like us, us desperate housewives heads, love Edie. I have to say, I'm not the biggest Edie fan. She's sort of, she's one of the neighbors that's like always stealing everybody's husband. And she has a lot of great lines. And she's gorgeous. But after she stole like the fifth man, I was like, enough of this. She will scheme and scam and blackmail and kill a woman to get her man. It's crazy. And then there's Lynette, who I don't love, played by Felicity Huffman. Whatever, she faked her kids' SAT scores. We all make mistakes. She's the one with, like, five kids, always kind of frazzled the beginning of the series. Oh, my God, her kid. I was I had to, like, fast-forward through a lot of her scenes because her kids were demons from hell. I don't love her. I especially do not love her storylines. Let me tell you a little something about this show. The plots of this show, the things that go on are crazy. The drama, the crimes, the betrayals. I mean, it's it's so dramatic. And then it like cuts to a scene of Lynette and it's like family drama. Girl, who cares? The point I'm at in the show right now these other girls, their plots, oh my god, murder, murder, poison, framing, blackmail. Cut to Lynette fighting with her goddamn husband. They did not give this woman the fun shit. 
Felicity Huffman's real-life scandals are better than the ones in the show. Um, oh, and also, of course, if you watch, you know, us, us Desperate Housewives fans, we don't love Susan. She was kind of the one that kind of tried to make her the main housewife, and her whole thing is like, oh, she's really, like, selfish and annoying, but she's, she's fun because she's, like, clumsy and silly, but you know i don't blame the show we have to keep in mind this was the 2000s up until the early 2010s and at this point in media it was like we all had to root for the girl who like burns stuff whenever she cooks she always forgets she forgets to set a timer if you're watching something from the 2000s and a woman forgets to set a timer, and burns the chicken, that's who you're supposed to be rooting for. Anyway, this show, if you haven't seen it, God forbid, I can't recommend it more highly. It's so dramatic. It's so funny. In a way that shows are not nowadays. And I love, um, you know, a little modern dramedy. And HBO whatever white lotus succession which i still haven't watched but whatever it's about to be the finale so people will stop telling me to watch those shows are fun but they have like a a humble amount of drama and a and just a dash of humor desperate housewives honey hit you over the head with both and then a character will get hit over the head with like a frying pan because that's the show and it's so good. Anyway, that's all I have to say for today. I have to go get prescribed Ozempic so I can stop picking up my cuticles. Talk to you next week. Bye.